0: Welcome to Orange Intelligence, a KUKA Robotics podcast featuring key players in the drive towards innovation and automation in any market.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Orange Intelligence, a KUKA Robotics podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Folks, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the podcast. Make sure that you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're always releasing episodes, and there's also a good repository of old episodes, so make sure you're checking those out. Make sure you're also going to our website at www.kuka.com, K-U-K-A. On there, you can find other episodes of our podcast, other content like videos, articles, uh, but more importantly, you can also learn about our services at our website, again, kuka.com. So today's episode is chock full of insights from the KUKA Robotics team, As automation at scale becomes more and more accessible, we here at KUKA wanted to give some context for what this growth really means. And of course, remind everyone of the ways that KUKA helps set up its partners for success to manage quality automation solutions and evolve those solutions with the market. The flow of this podcast is going to be a little different. We're sitting down with five different guests today. So each one is going to be giving their own perspective to Automation's Evolution and to KUKA's customer service offerings. And we're going to be hearing from each one with a few uh, main talking points, and we're basically going to go down the line. So we're joined today by Ed Volsick, Engineering Manager, Heather Grambo, Director of Customer Support, Oliver Gaykel, Regional Director. Michael Breen, Technical Sales Support Manager, and Alexis Trumper, Training Manager for KUKA College. All of them, of course, with KUKA Robotics. Everyone, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to be chatting with all of you. Um, And so I I think before we get into the core of what we're wanting to communicate with this podcast, which is really how KUKA is evolving alongside the industry and how its solutions match the needs of the industry, I think we need to get a little more context on how the industry is growing. And to get that context, we're going to start with Mike Breen first, who brings over about 30 years of automation experience, providing technical support for the company's sales staff, system partners, and end users. Mike Breen, how are you doing today?
2: Doing well, and yourself, Daniel.
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, So, let's jump right in. The market for automation technology continues to grow. It seems to be a talking point that most folks in the industry agree on. Why are we seeing this kind of growth, and what does that growth really look like if you could qualify and quantify it a little bit for us?
2: Um, Yeah, the growth is ongoing. I've been in the industry for about 30 years, and It's been growing every year that I've been in this field. I think it's the technology in general that is changing, and the pace at which that technology is changing is allowing people to enter this field, and it is scaling down. When you first started, we went after big companies, large companies, big cap expenditures. But at this point now, it's open to every company, small companies, medium-sized companies, Because the capital investment and the cost of automation has drastically reduced over the past 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And the increase in technology and the lower cost is allowing everyone to move into this field to enhance their business and make them more competitive as this global scale increases. You're not just selling for the U.S., you're selling the world nowadays.
1: And how has the technology itself uh, become more accessible as the global scope of uh, use cases has increased? And has uh, the accessibility to the technology uh, impacted how companies are approaching the integration of this tech into their business strategies?
2: Yes, it has. The um, technology is the biggest thing I've seen. And we're talking, let's talk robots, big thing. Yeah. The price of robots has been reduced, it's gotten lower. The speed, the payload, the capabilities of the robots. Have increased. So you have a product that is improving in features, offering more choices to the users, and the cost for these is going down. So that allows them to apply to their applications at a much faster pace and at a lower cost. In addition, the components that make up a robot, in addition to just a robot, you need software, you need ancillary equipment, and all that. And the robots now come with built-in software that does the needs, where five years ago, 10 years ago, you had to be a master programmer to get a robot to run or just to configure it. Where nowadays, we have pop-up menus and easy-to-use software that allows you to configure it in minutes instead of hours. And you don't have to have tons of technical background to configure these robots nowadays. They're pretty much ready to go out of the box. And when you do that, it allows you to target audiences that are much Smaller, your mom and pop shops and the lower, smaller scale businesses, and as we're keeping that, people look at, well, what does it cost to? I just bought it, okay, but what does it cost to operate it? Well, we've reduced the cost of ownership and the amount of power it takes to run a robot. So, in essence, not just the purchase cost, but the use cost, we've done added technology to lower that use cost, make it more readable. To small and medium businesses, as opposed to just the large manufacturers.
1: And how is that impacting the use cases? Then it seems like it's a it's a positive feedback loop, right? As they uh, become more accessible, the smaller companies then are able to uh, take on the technology that then expands the possible use cases. Uh, how do they, I guess, affect each other in a symbiotic way?
2: Thank you. Yeah, it's a they have a very symbiotic relationship because if we can if they can use technology to produce more product they're making more business they're providing more jobs and they're bringing manufacturing local here in the us and it allows them to endless circle where i'm selling more it's costing me less to manufacture then i'm making more money like more robots more technology technology and it's just a positive circle that They do a small investment, and they're getting a much bigger return at a much faster rate, and the robots and technology is there to help them achieve that.
1: Mike, could you give us some highlight examples of where automation technology improvements have had the biggest impact, not just on uh, the legacy industries that have already had uh, some quality use cases of automation technology for years, but some of these smaller industries and smaller businesses that are now taking it on. Um, you know, what are some highlights of of how this technology has benefited them and led to the technology now becoming a standard for those different industries? Feel free to give us a few.
2: Yeah, it's that. Just everyone talks about manufacturing. Yes, we can talk about how it's helped the small manufacturers and the industrial, um, but. The technology and the changes allowed startup companies and small companies to go into industries or fields that typically were robots, weren't used in the past. We've seen huge growth in startup medical companies that have a concept or idea that, hey, I think I can get a robot to do this. And it's a low cost for them to try their technology, get their startup and go in that industry. The other thing is data. Many companies need to know and keep track as we want safety and quality. They didn't think they could compete. Where now we have technology that, you know, you've heard of IoT, where you're tracking what the robot is doing, the widgets that they're making. So it, it improves quality and allows companies um, to provide quality products and track those quality products to meet the needs of the customers, where in the past they didn't have the technology or background to do this. So the robot and the equipment, and you talk about equipment or process equipment that these companies are using. Yes, they have a robot, but they also use other pieces of equipment like welders, smart guns, grippers. All these things have become intelligent, which allows them to continue that circle where they're having more technology, easier to use, and then they can produce products much
1: faster and quicker. All right, Mike, thank you for your insights there. We're going to go ahead and transition over to our next guest. We're going to be hearing from Heather Grambo, again, Director of Customer Support at KUKA. Heather, uh, I want to chat with you a little bit about the full gamut of solutions that KUKA brings to the table and some uh, experiential anecdotes at how KUKA is matching um, the evolution of the industry that Mike uh, so neatly laid out for us. So can you list out... um, just kind of in summary, the main services that KUKA provides its clients and how they fit into uh, this larger strategy for adapting to and benefiting from automation technology.
3: Sure, I can do that, Daniel. Um, so, Robotics. we have a comprehensive selection of customer service offerings, uh, which uh, include our 24-7 call center, uh, field service, spare parts, repair um, we also do used robot repair. We sell used robots and we have the KUKA College and engineering services as well. So th- those are our basic customer service offerings that we offer from KUKA Robotics.
1: And then how do you see those building uh, the broader picture for uh, KUKA helping its clients adapt and benefit from this technology?
3: Well, we're, we're there for the customer 24-7, 365 in pretty much every every area of our business, uh, you know, we strive to be available and have the right resources and, uh, skill sets to support their, their needs at any given time.
1: Hmm. So I know you've had a long track record at KUKA yourself. Um, just for context, how many years have you worked there now? And, uh, what are some of the different departments that you've gone through?
3: So I have worked 22 years at KUKA. Aww, uh, I have, congratulations. thanks. <laughs> I have primarily, uh, Most of my career has been within the customer service group. Uh, I worked a portion of my career in spare parts, uh, handling spare parts repair and the used business. I've worked in finance, handling AR and payroll. Pretty much from the front end of the business to the back end of the business, I've touched portions of pretty much every portion of the organization in one form or another.
1: Which is, you know, pretty incredible that you've made your way through all those different departments, and I think uh, that's what really helps amplify your perspective here, and why, um, you know, it's important that we're hearing from you is because you've seen directly how each of these different departments uh, builds into that broader strategy to support your client base and um, you know better understood what those specifics are that make that happen. Um, so what has been your experience within KUKA with how the company lives and breathes, uh, breathes that mission within each of those different departments? So yeah, give us kind of a rundown of how you've seen all these different departments reflect and manifest that mission to support your clients?
3: Yeah, it's really a customer first uh, organization. We strive to put the customer at the center of our business every day. They're an important part of our business. And if we don't put them at the center of it, um, it's we need them. We need them to be successful. And we really strive to put forth the make them feel like they're uh, important within our company.
1: Do you mind giving us some examples of how you've seen that, I guess, you know, happen in real time in, in the different departments? Just, you know, just to better contextualize, what does it look like to support the customer wholeheartedly on the engineering team or on the customer service team or on the uh, business development team, right? So give us some of those examples, if you don't mind.
3: Sure, sure. Uh, From the call center perspective, we do have a 24-7-365 operation in which there is a KUKA person uh, on call to handle any of the customer needs. So um, those calls are all handled through our focus center. And then also through the spare parts department, we have on-call support 24-7-365. So anytime the customer is in a down situation, they can call our 1-800 number and get in contact with a, a live KUKA person to handle their problem at that specific time. So we have in-house repair for uh, specific components within the robot. So we we can fix customers' smart pads and PCs in-house in our uh, facility in Shelby Township. We have engineering services that are available to the customer. We have our KUKA College in which uh, customers can come and take training Uh, at our facility, or we can do uh, on-site training if necessary.
1: And then is there a story uh, of your own from your time at KUKA that really stands out to you as an example of how KUKA lives up to its solutions and, you know, doesn't just provide a great solution, but does it with that mission in mind. Is there anything that really stands out to you from your own career that reflects that?
3: Um, Most of my hands-on approaches were when I was in the parts department and I was on call. Um, Usually, you know, you're dealing with the front line, a down down robot situation where uh, the customers in dire need to get their equipment back up and running. And fairly early on in my career, I, uh, made the decision to ship a replacement robot to a customer because that was the best option at that time. Um, within 12 hours, we had the customer from a down robot situation back to running production. Um, we had our guys on site waiting for the equipment to get there. They did the, the swap out and the customer was up and running within 12 hours, which was a pretty big feat for the team to, to get through it um, in that time frame. With tearing all the tooling off the robot, putting in a new robot and putting it back into production. So that's one that stands out in my mind as being a really good success story for us in customer service, because in the end, the customer was happy. They were, again, producing production and it was a win-win for everybody.
1: All right, Heather, thank you so much for your perspective there. We're going to go ahead and transition over to our next guest. We're going to be hearing from Oliver Gakel. Uh, He's going to be giving us a bit more perspective on the global side of the growth of automation technology. How is it impacting different markets? And how does KUKA support this global network of markets? Oliver, how are you doing today?
4: Thank you. I'm good.
1: Great to have you on the program. So, uh, being that you oversee and manage a lot of the global infrastructure for Kuka. How are you seeing different regions and different markets experience this growth in automation technology? Uh, you know, how are they reacting to and adapting to the changes in you know more accessibility for the tech, more use cases, and uh, overall just uh, more benefit out of the technology.
4: Um. So we've globally over uh, seventy locations. Uh. In in the Customer Robotics Group, and over 1,500 service engineers globally. So um, the strategy for customer service is that the the service organizations globally are exactly the same, so the same support level in each department. We just just heard from from Heather. So the, the nice thing for customers and for KUKA employees is that if they... Um, if a customer would reach out to a customer service organization in Europe, Asia, or North America, um, they get always the same structure and the same support levels. So um, starting, for example, for the call center, if a customer is calling the call center in, in North America, um, they they would answer the first questions, they would support the customer um, on a the, on the first level, and if that the country uh can support further it goes to a to a second level which aligns and and groups together all the questions uh on on a global level on a, on a on a second support level where um all the engineers in in the call center team support each other on a on a on a global level and this is the same for the field service team, the spare parts department, uh, college and engineering. So all the different departments are connected on a on a area level and on a global level. So that makes us really um, fast and most efficient. Um, again, for the the customer and from the for the customer service uh, engineers as well.
1: All right, so uh, Oliver, just to get a better sense for the markets you serve, uh, what are the different regions that Kuka is based out of globally, um, and how has Kuka gone about growing their presence in these different regions?
4: Um, so we started basically in Europe. So, so Kuka Robotics is based in in, in Augsburg, in Germany. So there were that was the place everything starts basically, and then we we build up. Um, um, supporting structure with uh, three three global areas. So um, with Europe covers the, the middle center uh, globally and um, Asia Pacific and North American market, which is uh, Canada, Mexico, uh, and USA.
1: So Oliver, we heard from Heather some of the different uh, programs that KUKA offers its clients. Could you give us some context on how these apply to your global infrastructure and your global network of clients um you know not just ones localized in the united states but in all the different markets you just broke down
4: um, so in each each department let's say if um if, if a customer um has, has issues globally in the field service so field service means the service engineers are going on site uh for support and service and if there is a customer uh, globally somewhere where the the local team can't help out anymore um, the the global network allows us to uh, to find the right people uh, for the right application or the right topic or the, the, the right support that the customer needs in, in in the country um, depending on the language of course but we're looking for for expertise on on different levers when it comes to the the, the field service engineers for example. So the network allows us to to pick the, the right people for the right customer and the right application. So if it's um, if it's in out of the engineering team, uh, which which is all about pre sales and after sales services, we're really communicating on a on a global level to um, get the the right people to the right customer uh, or to the right support
1: do you feel as though having that global network helps inform uh, solutions for clients in all markets so you know you you learn basically based on the solutions that you've got to give to your clients in Germany or in Mexico and you know the lessons that you learn in those markets help inform and better um, you know better serve your clients in other markets basically is there a positive feedback loop there where with each solution you learn a little bit more about those markets and it helps inform the other markets you serve
4: oh yes absolutely so this is this is all about the the communication we we want on a global level that, that teams are talking to each other on a, on a regular basis and information share, sharing knowledge and and sh- sharing all the expertise what they learned in the different countries uh, with different customers
1: all right. Alexis, I want to transfer over to you now. So we're going to be hearing from Alexis Trumper. Uh, Alexis is going to give us some more context on KUKA College. And that's one of the programs we haven't really spent much time with yet. But I wanted to dedicate a whole segment of conversation to it because it's the one that really stands out to me the most of as having a, a lot of longevity and a lot of opportunity to really serve your clients. So, Alexis, could you give us some more context on what the motivation was for launching kuka college as one of the several solutions that kuka provides
5: hi Daniel, yeah sure thank you so launching kuka college this is actually something that was uh, directed out of kuka germany and we are actually uh, a branch of that so the kuka college headquarters is again in augsburg germany um Launching it in the U.S., of course, very important because as we sell these products and these solutions, these people are going to want to know how to use their robots and how to use their equipment. So, of course, we saw an opportunity and we opened up the Kuka College Training Center in Shelby Township. Um, Beautiful facility. We have these dedicated robots, um, dedicated classrooms, um, fabulous instructors who love what they do. And we have a lot of great feedback once people are done with their training sessions. uh, They love to tell us they enjoyed so many aspects of it, and it's really rewarding.
1: And why does KUKA find education and having a, a structured solution in place to provide that education as something that's valuable and needed for getting this technology deployed effectively? You know what was the value that was seen there?
5: So the KUKA College is, yeah, as you said, a very structured uh, service that KUKA provides. Um, The structured service, the curriculum, the equipment, uh, the tests, everything that goes into it comes from Germany. We do have a little bit of flexibility here in the U.S. so that it does apply and talk to our local customers. It makes sense to our uh, customers' needs. The structure is. One that was designed specifically for the adult learner. So it's very important that they not only spend time in the classroom absorbing the information, but having time on that robot is so important. They need to get on that robot and implement what they've just learned uh, in order to really solidify it. So this is a model of adult learning that's um, been Proven and and taught in many different other aspects in the world, so we like to make sure that people know that we're using that model, um, and and then they can have the confidence that they're getting a really great product when they come over and take classes with us.
1: And how does uh, Kuka College, in your opinion, support the broader strategy for finding and retaining? Clients, have you found that educating them in a structured way basically creates a better relationship between Kuka and said client?
5: Oh yeah, since our customers are students are so with their their training, they of course go back to their supervisors, their colleagues. They tell people about the the Kuka training they receives they receive, and they um, they they get more of their colleagues to come and see us. So we do rely on companies that send. Uh, more students to us, uh, for whatever reason, you know, update training, um, perhaps they have turnover, um, they're increasing their automation lines, and they need more people within the facility to take the training. So yeah, we get a lot of repeat companies coming back to send more of their own customers for those reasons. Um, And of course, we're always entering new markets and new New areas, so we've got people from a broad range of backgrounds coming to our classes. We have people who have never seen a robot before in their lives. We call them green as grass. They come in to our Operator Pro class and they leave with a real sense of confidence of, you know, when they push a particular button, which way is that robot going to move? The scariest thing is when you're in a tight situation and you don't know which button to push because either it's going to break the robot more or it's going to get them into a a better position to remedy the whole situation had they, you know, perhaps jogged the robot in in a tight spot. So they leave those classes feeling like, OK, I know which button to push and I, I don't need to be afraid of crashing the robot even more. And then we have other clients who have extensive robot experience with other systems, other types of equipment. And they just need to know how to make that orange KUKA robot run. And uh, those are classes that talk about our KUKA robot language a little m- in more depth. And they go away with a great sense of how to make these fabulous, complex programs from a, for a robot straight out of a box.
1: Does KUKA College have any virtual technology that helps support this education? Uh, and I guess that also ties into just a broader question of what are the technologies and the tools that support uh, this education? And, you know, I, I guess just, More generally, does online education um, inform any of what Kuka College does? And what are some of your strategies for those tools?
5: Well, we rely mostly on having our customers visit us. We find that that's the best way for people to learn. Again, the uh, adult learning model. So taking people out of their companies, out of their shops, and having them visit us is tremendous value. They can focus on what they're learning. On and they can um, really implement it without any interruption to to their learning from their colleagues. You know, it's an emergency; just jump out of class. It's only training. No, we don't like that. Um, so having them come is very important. Uh, you talked about online training. There are a few topics that we can do, um, and we like to do those as like refresher topics. So such as uh, mastering a robot. That would be one. And something like a technology package, like Kuka Sim. So Kuka Sim is our simulation product, and we can do that uh, in a remote setting because the customer would have that software installed on their PC, and they can do everything, you know, in the comfort of their own office. So that so that makes it easy. But otherwise, it's very difficult to have people learn in a very effective way without really touching it. And there is something to be said about having. Your hands on the equipment and having this like large uh, industrial machine near you to create a little bit of that intimidation so that, you know, you can get over that fear and be really comfortable when it comes down to um, being in those tight situations.
1: All right, Alexis, thank you so much for your insights on that one. Uh, we're going to now transition over to Ed Volsic, who's going to wrap up the panel podcast and give us some more industry anecdotes and use cases um, to just better inform how all of these services really benefit the customer in the field. Um, so, Ed, how are you doing today? Great to have you on the program.
0: Oh, thanks, Daniel. I'm I'm doing wonderful.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Uh, how are you holding up during all this? Kind of a crazy time, isn't it?
0: It really has been a crazy time. You know, everybody's really learning to adjust, work differently um, in all facets of our of our business.
1: Yeah. So uh, you head up the engineering uh, services and the engineering solutions that KUKA Robotics provides. Could you give us kind of a breakdown of what those services look like and why your customers have found them valuable?
0: Uh- sure. You know, in the U.S., we have a team of 14 engineers in various roles supporting our engineering business. You know, they're prim- primarily responsible for working with end customers and integrators on advanced robot applications. So, these applications include things like, well, first and foremost, applying technology to whatever process, to process the customer or the integrator is is working on. And then beyond that, it includes you know supporting our customers to interface to external systems, external equipment advanced robot application development. Um, That includes things like interfacing to tooling or machines. We also get involved in advanced robot motion programming, um, interfacing with external systems. Sometimes we get involved with uh, advanced accuracy integrations where robots have tight accuracy requirements. We also see the need for improving cycle times, helping customers get every bit of efficiency out of their automation equipment. Our engineers help customers achieve that by you know, diving into detail of their application, identifying where they can save time and improve their, their processes. Our team really has a wealth of experience. All of our customers solve their problems faster and more efficiently.
1: I want to highlight a few of the projects that you've worked on uh, specifically just to kind of contextualize, like I said, everything we've been talking about on the panel today. Uh, So one of the more interesting projects that stood out to me was you did some work integrating KUKA robots into a German amusement park. Uh, So what was the context for that installation? What were some of the major challenges that KUKA had or that the client had? And then how does your work there highlight uh, some of the unique ways that KUKA is able to solve those issues and deliver on a quality product?
0: Yeah, I've actually been very fortunate um, throughout my career with, with KUKA Robotics. I've seen all kinds of different applications and integrations. And um, you know, one of them, like you mentioned here, the amusement park ride, it was actually for, um, for an American amusement park, a park company, but we worked very closely with our German counterparts to integrate our robots into this amusement park ride. Um, the experience touched on a lot of different facets of our technology. We had to dig really deeply into safety mechanisms of our of our system you know at the end of the day we're putting people at the end of a robot and moving them around um so you had to ensure that all of the right safety systems were in place to ensure that everything was safe even in any failure mode Um, we also um, helped to um to create a new programming paradigm which was something different that um that that was needed for the industry the industry is really the the amusement industry that is and 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 that also ties into some of the movie industries as well but there everything is based on time so we needed to to develop a new programming method for um programming our robots based on time um so I, i i was very lucky as i said in the beginning um you know i learned a great deal on the project which um which in the end became an, incre- an incredibly successful installation for our end customer and um, and is now being integrated worldwide.
1: Ed, you've also worked on uh, developing the software side of KUKA's offerings, including a new palletizing software to upgrade old generations of your robots to better support your customers. Uh, could you remind our audience what palletizing is, what the software does, and why this was a needed addition?
0: Yeah, so palletizing um, in its very basic essence is moving boxes from a conveyor and putting it onto a pallet and stacking them so that they can be delivered um, from wherever wherever those boxes or wherever that product is being produced to an end customer. Um, so palletizing in and of itself seems like a very, very straightforward application. You're just moving boxes from one location to another, but um, there's so many little details and configurations that um, that it makes it a very complicated application. So we we were um, we had a team of of engineers at at Kuka US who developed the first generation of palletizing software. We worked with many many different customers, including customers that had freezer applications, like uh, palletizing ice cream, for example, or some of the uh, pharmaceutical industry where they were palletizing um, different. Um, Pharmaceutical drugs onto onto pallets for deliveries to their to their uh, to their customers. So the software that we had developed, um, you know, at at the time, all of our integrators were developing their own palletizing packages, and everybody was bringing their own little bit of experience into um, their specific need. What we needed to do was bring that all together into one big product, so that um, so that anybody could use it so that anybody could apply it to whatever application they were trying to uh, to automate um, when it comes to palletizing.
1: And then just more broadly, what is KUKA's uh, strategy for making sure that the technology that is given to clients matches their needs, but also continues to grow alongside those needs as the industry evolves? And how does this project reflect that?
0: Yeah, so we work very closely with our customers, um, trying to understand what their requirements are. So that means meeting with customers, staying ahead of um, technology trends in various industries, and really understanding, you know, where we need to do further development in our product line so that we can support all of our customers' needs. You know, at the end of the day, when we develop um, application packages, um, in order for it to be adopted successfully, we have to, we have to think about all the different scenarios and the technology that goes into, um, into its utilization.
1: And then, just to wrap up, Ed, are there any other projects that are favorites of yours that really showcase uh, the broad gamut of solutions that Kuka brings to its clients?
0: You have a lot of different applications that we have now going out where we're working sure. with end customers, and then we have um, in the um, um, sorry, in the mobile um automated guided vehicles space where we, we're moving with vehicles plants. so here's you know we had complicated or customers had complicated conveyor systems conveying product from one end of the factory to the other. now we have vehicles that are able to move and navigate their way through plants and uh, and do that product delivery or some other task which requires these vehicles to kind of map and uh, move throughout the plant on their own
1: All right, Ed Volsik, thanks for your insights there. And folks, that wraps up our KUKA Robotics panel, breaking down not only the solutions that KUKA provides, but getting some more context on how the industry is evolving and how KUKA matches that evolution. Thank you again to all of our panelists for joining us on this Orange Intelligence panel. Again, we heard from Ed Volsic, Engineering Manager, Heather Grambo, Director of Customer Support, Oliver Gagel, Regional Director of Customer Service, Michael Breen, Technical Sales Support Manager, and Alexis Trumper, Training Manager for KUKA College. Thank you, everyone, for your insights, and I'm looking forward to chatting with all of you again in the near future. Thanks,
5: Daniel.
3: Thank you. Thanks, Daniel.
5: Thanks, Daniel. Thank you, Daniel.
1: And thank you everyone for listening to this episode of Orange Intelligence. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure you head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify to subscribe to our podcast and you'll obviously get updates on new episodes, but you can also browse through and find previous conversations of our podcast. You can also find our podcast on our website. You can go to kooka.com. You'll find some other blog posts on there, interesting content, and, of course, a full breakdown of all of our solutions and how to get in contact with us. And make sure you're leaving a rating and a comment wherever you're listening to your podcast content. Thanks again, everyone. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.